There once was a 25-year-old young man who grew up in Southern California. He was a construction worker who had addiction issues and at one point in his early 20s was convicted of robbery. By 1991, he was out of jail and on parole. He knew he couldn't do anything wrong or he would end up back in a cage. Well, one night, he made a few mistakes that changed the course of his life and made him the poster child to end police brutality. This is the story of Rodney King. Hey everyone, this is Millie Red. And this is Lady Lily, and welcome back to the Criminority Report. The Criminority Report. The Criminority Report. So last month we covered Florida Man. Man, 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 man. <laughs> Florida Man. Yeah. We went over some pretty ridiculous stories too. Stupid. Yeah. But for the next month, we are going to be pivoting to a more intense topic, officer-involved incidents. Some of these stories will involve crimes against civilians via law enforcement. Some will involve crimes against law enforcement, and some may even involve crimes within law enforcement agencies. So let's talk about stats. You like stats, Millie. Heck yeah, I like stats and history lessons. Well, so these are some statistics from 2018. Over 61 million people over the age of 16 years old in the U.S. had at least one encounter with law enforcement over a 12-month span. Nearly 29 million encounters involved initiation by police, around 36 million people initiated contact with the police, and around 9 million people encountered police due to a traffic accident. Whites were more likely than Blacks, Hispanics, and other races to experience police contact. There was no statistical significant difference in the percentages between blacks and whites when it came to police-initiated contact. Those 18 to 24 were more likely to have contact with police and to experience officer-initiated contact. Blacks and Hispanics were more likely to experience threat or use of force from the police than their white counterparts or even other races. Males were also more likely to experience threat or the use of force than females. And Blacks and Hispanics were more likely to be handcuffed than whites and others. Now, according to the FBI Crime Data Explorer, 
when it comes to bad outcomes in reporting, over 50% ended in a serious bodily injury of a person due to law enforcement use of force. Over 30% resulted in the death of a person due to law enforcement use of force. And wrapping up the stats, around 15% of reports ended with the discharge of a firearm by law enforcement at or in the direction of a person that did not otherwise result in death or serious bodily injury. That's a lot of information. That's a lot. It's a lot of numbers and percentages. Yes. But, um, and we understand that audience, but we have to know these numbers so that we can have perspective when we talk about these incidents, us and you all. Um, yes. We all know that the majority of police interactions aren't lethal. Um, 15% of people who experience police threat or um, use of force during their interactions are injured. Out of the millions of interactions people have with law enforcement, 250,000 are injured by them annually, and more than 600 people are killed annually. Wow. Yeah. Now, some of you might say that's not a lot comparatively, and it's not. Um, But we also don't know how many of those interactions were lawful or warranted or unwarranted. One person is a lot, basically. Exactly. So in a sense, you know, that is a lot for the family members of those who were killed. Exactly. And, you know, People are always quick to say, well, that, I mean, that's the nature of, um, you know, their their jobs and things like that. But what if we use those same statistics with doctors? People would be having a fit saying that's too many deaths or injuries. Yeah. So this is why I think people, they just want to ensure that law enforcement is held accountable for their actions, especially if they're unlawful. Like you said, if that that family of that person who you know experienced bodily injury or experienced death to them one was too many yeah right one is too many so speaking of unlawful interactions we are going to get into our next story all right lady lily are you ready for this story no I'm not, but let's get to it. Let's get to it. This is a lot to unpack, so mm-hmm. y'all get your your tea out or your alcohol out or, or whatever, because this is quite the story. So this story takes place in the early 90s. We were exiting the 80s and entering the 90s. Do you remember that time? Because I barely do. Hmm? Of course I remember yeah. <laughs> so in the 80s, we saw the AIDS crisis, the advent of music television, increased consumerism, a bunch of disasters, the fall of the Berlin Wall, technology emerging and booming, women emerging and booming, mm-hmm. the continuation of racial tensions, and one of my favorites, space exploration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, <laughs> spandex and bright colors. We had interesting hair choices. Yeah, like the curly perm. 
drip, drip, jerk curl in the house. All I think of is soul glow. Just let your soul glow. Soul glow. Soul glow, baby. Feeling oh so smooky smooth. Wait, I said smilky. Feeling oh so silky smooth. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> moving along. We also had Reagan. Enough said. I don't need to even go into any further detail with that. Mm-mm, Just Reagan. Mm-mm. And crack. Or the war on drugs. Yeah. Who could forget the war on drugs and the commercial? <laughs> Wait, is that the commercial where it's like, this is your brain and it's like an egg? Yeah. But anyway, this story um, that we're about to talk about, um, it catapulted racial tensions even closer to the forefront of news. On March 3rd, 1991, 26-year-old Rodney King was speeding on the highway with two of his friends in his white Hyundai. Mm. He unfortunately sped past a highway patrol cruiser. Oh, no. The cruiser tried to flag him down, but King didn't pull over. He kept going. We would also find out that King was intoxicated. Mm. Not a good decision. <laughs> Not a good decision at all. No. no. Um, a helicopter joined the pursuit of King, and eventually at 12.45 a.m., after nearly eight miles in the streets of L.A. or Los Angeles... He stopped by Handsome Dam Park. Is that what the park called? Yeah, Handsome Dam. And what's crazy is that, like, my mom is always mentioning Handsome Handsome Dam. So when I, when I was like reading through this, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, you know, my mom was not running the streets in a bad way, but you know, my mom was like, she's from this area. <laughs> but you know it's- what though? When I was when I was thinking about this situation. Um, you, we don't know what was going on in his head. Um, no, we don't. He could have been trying to wait until he was in like a better part of LA. Like, we don't know. I don't want to make excuses for him, but I'm just saying we, we don't know what was going on in his head. He was speeding on a highway and he was intoxicated. Yeah. But they didn't know that. They just clocked him for speeding. I know, I know. He led them on a high-speed chase. And there were other people in that car. Yes, he did lead them on a high-speed chase, but I think it would have been different if he was, if they had stopped him for something else and then he began to speed. So it's not like he was increasing his speed or anything like that. He just didn't slow down. Yeah. Anyway, continue. All right. Several LAPD officers descended on his car and, star- and Sergeant Stacy Kuhn ordered the men out of the car and to lie flat on the ground. King's friends complied quickly, but him being intoxicated, in, um, he responded slower. So rather than lie flat on the ground, he was on his hands and knees. Officers Lawrence Powell, Timothy Wind, Ted Briseno, 
and Roland Solano tried to use force on King to get him to the ground. But naturally, he resisted, and I use that term loosely, um, he resisted, so the officer stepped back and they tased him. Uh. Okay, so you remember when Millie spoke about technology booming during the 80s? Well, a civilian named George Holiday was at his apartment on his balcony playing with his new video camera. He saw the commotion and, thank God, began recording a roughly 90-second video. King was seen getting up and running in Powell's direction. Now, the officers alleged King was charging him, but King later admitted an officer told him, we're going to kill you, run. So naturally, he tried to flee. Powell swung his baton and hit King on the head. King was down, yeah, y'all. King was down. Yeah. As he attempted to get up, Powell and Wind began beating him with their batons so he couldn't get up. Once they saw he wasn't getting up, they were about to handcuff him, but that wasn't enough. Officer Bersinio is seen stepping on King's back, which made him flinch. You see them proceed to beat King even more with their batons, as well as physically kicking him and beating him with their hands. And this is where the problem is. He's already down. They didn't do anything to de-escalate this. Yeah, he was already down. Well, they were already angry because they had to chase him. Correct. For about, what, eight miles? Yeah. Yeah. So they were already escalated. Right. So they were escalated. Tensions are high. He's intoxicated. His friends are complying. But he's not. In their eyes, he's not. mm -hmm. And they don't realize that he's intoxicated yet. Mm -hmm. So that's even more dangerous for Mm -hmm. Rodney. Okay. So at around 89 seconds, you see King put his hands behind his back. Officer Kuhn never did anything to intervene to prevent this savage assault. You only see one officer try to intervene when they began striking King with the baton. But with one officer against a gang of officers, it did nothing. Yeah. Luckily, they called an ambulance and King was taken to the hospital. Listen to the injuries. Rodney King was struck almost 60 times with batons. One of his legs was fractured. He had multiple face fractures and numerous contusions, which are another term for bruises. So like we see many times the officers downplayed the level of violence during the situation and made sure that their stories aligned. They claimed his injuries were minor and superficial but they had no idea someone was recording in the background. Listeners, George Holiday sold his video to a local news station, KTLA and CNN. Well, if you hadn't guessed it, 
there was a national outrage that sparked the conversation of police brutality. Rodney King was released without charges, and on March 15th, Officer Kuhn, Powell, Wynn, and Brasenio were indicted. They were all charged with assault, with a deadly weapon, and excessive use of force. Officer Kuhn didn't participate in the savage beating, but he was charged with aiding and abetting it. Also, Officer Kuhn and Powell were charged with falsifying a police report. Mm-hmm. They didn't mess up. Yeah. I mean, they messed up by beating him. And then it was just a series of crazy events after that. And then that showed that they knew what they did was that it was excessive. Yeah, they knew that. So because there was so much chaos in L.A., the trial had to be moved. So for those who lived during this time and were glued to the media, Mm, you know how this story turned out. Yeah. But for our younger crowd, um, here's to let you know what happened. The 12-person jury issued a verdict of not guilty on all counts except for one assault charge against Powell that resulted in a hung jury. Mm. Well, this was the catalyst for the L.A. riots, where more than 60 people were killed, 2,000 people injured, and almost one billion dollars in damages wow yeah and it was hard for me not to talk about the la riots but the la riots is a it's another it's another story so we strictly just tried to to stick to the rodney king beating and some people think and you always hear this well why would they destroy their own neighborhood, that's stupid. Well, that's because the majority of the businesses that are in their own neighborhoods are not people of the neighborhood. They don't look like them. So sometimes, unfortunately, you have to cause a disturbance to get people to listen to you. And that's what they did. They caused the disturbance. I kind of disagree with just you know, going into businesses and just, you know, um, damaging businesses. What What is the point of that? I mean. It won't change what happened with King. It, it won't will, change the verdict. It won't. But it caused police reform in that area. They had to do something. They had to do something. So do I feel bad for those businesses that got destroyed? Absolutely. They the businesses were innocent they were innocent bystanders. Right. Um but unfortunately you can't peacefully do things because you're not going to get any change. You have to cause a disturbance. Yeah, I got I I disagree with you on that. I do agree that um in order for for us to see change, you have to do a lot of advocacy, you know, advocating. However, I don't think that for that change to come, people need to be killed, businesses need to be damaged. I don't think that's, 
should be the answer. I don't think killing people is a way to get um, the change. And I don't think injuring people um, is a way to get change either. But I do know with all of that damage uh, that they caused to L.A., there was a lot of change that happened after that. You know, with all of this damage, George Bush, the first Bush at the time, had deployed military troops to help with the unrest. Rodney King even held a press conference begging the chaos to end. His famous words, can't we all just get along, came from that press conference. So if you see that in pop culture, of them making fun of that phrase, because, you know, they, they, they do that. That's where that phrase came from, came from Rodney King. So some of y'all might be thinking, holy crap, this is unreal. They were caught on film and still got off. Huh? I mean, we're still seeing these things today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, these body footage cam body cameras are are showing this. People who are you know in the bushes or hiding or whatever they're they're capturing these things on film, and we're still seeing the same kinds of ver- verdicts. Yeah. Um. But I know you also might be thinking, weren't his civil rights violated? Well, yes, they were. <laughs> they were violated. So on April 17th, 1993, uh, almost two years later, a federal jury convicted Kuhn and Powell of violating King's civil rights, while Wynn and Brasino were acquitted. On August 4th, Kuhn and Powell, Powell were uh, sentenced to two and a half years in prison, and King received $3.8 million dollars in a civil suit against the LAPD. And I also want to know what that jury looks like. I'd be very curious to see what that jury looks like as well to acquit two of the officers. Um, where are they now? Well, let's start with the officers. Kuhn wrote a book called Presumed Guilty, The Tragedy of the Rodney King Affair. He netted about $4 million. Wow. It's also, yeah, it's also alleged that he became an L.A.-based limo driver. And listen to this. Ironically, in 2018, he was allegedly caught driving his car under the influence and placed on three years probation. Oh, so Lawrence, he, didn't get, he didn't get attacked. His civil nope. rights wasn't violated. He didn't get attacked and his civil rights were not violated. Not that we know of. Lawrence Powell worked as a handyman, moved on to computer retailing, and quietly took care of his family. He's shown little remorse for the incident. Um, Brasino allegedly worked in um, private security and moved away to try to work in law enforcement. He also went to law school and tried to pursue that, but was allegedly struggling due to his part in the king beating now you're probably wondering what happened to rodney king well he went on to have a family he tried to get his life back on track but he just kept having issues and i wonder if that prob that had to have been because of the actual beating and what that psychologically and physically did to him 
probably not not only the beating but the aftermath yes before like we don't know what he was like before this happened yeah i mean we just know that he had addiction issues but in Mm -hmm. you know got into some trouble but we don't really know who the person was um but unfortunately he ended up drowning in his pool in 2012 having potentially been under the influence of drugs and alcohol Whew, that was heavy Mm-hmm. Millie, I want to briefly mention that if you don't know much about the LAPD or its history, listeners, please go do some research. Yeah. You'll understand why people in that area do not trust the police department. They literally profiled you. If you didn't look like you belong in the neighborhood, you were getting stopped. Yeah. There was also a stop and frisk, which was another example of profiling. The department has done so many egregious and unethical things to many people of color. They had no faith in that department. So please go look up the history of the LAPD so that you can understand what residents are talking about and you can have another lens on when reviewing or hearing cases like these. That's just one police department that we're talking about. There's police departments in hundreds of other cities that operate or have operated like this in the past. So, you know, you you can't really blame people, especially in that community, for not trusting in those police officers when they're being harassed by the people who are supposed to um, keep them safe. Yeah, in doing this, it just made me very angry because he was a young guy. Rodney King was a young guy. Yeah. You know, how did you feel about the story? It's very sad. It's really unfortunate. I just believe that, you know, the officer should never have behaved the way they did. No, the officer shouldn't have. Um, I, I feel like the officers needed more training. They needed they needed more training on like de-escalation because I feel like that situation, it didn't need to escalate like that. Um, So I don't know why like some officers are good at de-escalating and others aren't. In this situation, they were already angry. They were already escalated because they were chasing him. There are so many other um, professions out there where they get disrespected, but cannot act out like that. So they need to be held accountable. Yeah. And I feel like in this instance, they were not held accountable. I agree. Rodney definitely did not deserve being beaten to a pulp. That part. What happened to his friends? They never really went into what happened to his friends. I was very curious as to what happened with them. So listeners, we know that was a lot. It was a lot of information. It was a lot of numbers. It was a lot of details that were disturbing. Hope it made sense. Hope the story made sense to you guys. Yeah. Um, You know, you guys do with the story what you, you can do. You know, if you're an officer, like... Just making sure that 
you are doing what you're supposed to do, keeping us safe and not causing bodily harm to other people, unless it's right. necessary. Because there are times when police officers need to use lethal force, and we get that. Mm-hmm. In this particular instance, they did not have to do that to him. Right. Um, I mean, if you just tase somebody, like they're down for the count. Yeah. Um, and this is not to say that all officers are bad. We know that. We know that there are some good officers out there. We know that there are some officers who would have seen this and would have intervened or would have said something. So um, to those officers who who are good and, and do what they're supposed to do, we appreciate y'all. For those who don't, kick rocks. So what are we going to be talking about next week, Lady Lily? <laughs> Well, next week, um, the case that we're going to be talking about is, again, in L.A., and it is a corruption case. So stay tuned. It's a very involved case. But in the meantime, check us out on Instagram at the Criminality Report Podcast. We didn't realize we was giving y'all the wrong Facebook, um, but y'all can check us out on Facebook (laughs) at... T-C-R-P-O-D aka Lady Red that's Facebook (laughs) you can also check out our updated website at www.thecriminalityreportpodcast.com you can email us at criminalityreportpodcast at gmail.com y'all have any stories that you want us to talk about what they gotta do lady lily what they gotta do just hit us up y'all hit us up just hit us up now um you can also join the crew the crew on facebook we have a group the crew you know we've talked about a little bit but you know put put some put some thought-provoking questions on there or you know put whatever you want on there you know the crew um y'all we are international in case you didn't know we are playing in over 10 different countries so yeah check your girls out we are international and also not sure if y'all have noticed but we updated our logo we did and it was done by a friend and you can find her on facebook at royal designs um and she can help you out with any kind of logo or anything like that that you need thank you so much for hooking us up girl thank you for hooking us up sister friend thank you so where can they listen to our episodes lady lily you can rate review and subscribe to this podcast on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts Again, thank you for listening. Until next week. Bye, y'all. Bye. Let me get my glasses. I can't see. Please, get your glasses. She gonna get them glasses, y'all. Because she can't see. Let me check my cornbread, too. Oh, gosh. She gonna take her cornbread, too. Cornbread. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Put some honey on the cornbread, 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 cornbread. I hear you doing some sort of foolishness. I'm not doing any type of foolishness. 
Sure. Out of millions of interactions people have with law enforcement, $250,000. Oh my God. <laughs> Duolas. Duolas. <laughs> All right. You can't, you can't make cold bread with a cast iron without a cast iron. That chicken smells good. I thought you were checking on your cornbread. I did check on the cornbread, but I had to check on the, on the chicken too. 